Welcome to the LBC podcast, where we explore Christian theology and practice for the building up of God's family. My name is Joel Appear, High School Director at LBC, and we have with us today Eric, Pastor Eric, and John Harrell. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. You gotta say something. <laughs> yeah. I didn't and then know we have Kyle like Appear recording everything. Hello, LBC. There you go. And man, it has taken us an hour and a half just to get the the recording button to go. Uh, man, yeah, it's it's basically mostly Eric's fault. So, um, but we're we're finally here, and just uh, it's it's nice that we can get this started. So, I'm really excited to talk about a few things um, with you, especially Eric um, and and John. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, I was thinking through something just recently uh have you guys thought about this about getting haircuts during all this like i mean uh, sadly you know, like, i have okay yeah. I'm, I'm a little worried um yeah. i'm like that every three weeks haircut guy you know because it just my hair kind of has one look to it yeah and i'm just like envisioning it getting and i'm like i don't i don't i don't know how that's gonna work you know what i mean yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm starting to seriously consider how we can make the haircut part of the essential process. Uh, <laughs> I'm just thinking there's got to be lots of, well, probably mainly women, but there's got to be some guys that yeah. are like feeling my pain. So yeah. it's, it's definitely outside of my comfort zone. Yeah. Are you trying to say that it should be an essential need getting haircuts? <laughs> I don't want to say that, but in here I do. I'm just yeah. trying to be honest. Yeah. Full disclosure. Haircuts are kind of, for me, it's become a, uh, a point of anxiety and depression just because, you <laughs> wow. know, as, as the years go on, I have less and less to work with and I have to change my look because I have less and less <laughs> to work with. So eventually, if this thing goes on much longer, I'm going to be cutting bangs for myself at home or something. We'll see. <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, I, I can tell you this. I think, Eric, you should just let it go. I would love to see some Goldilocks. Um, just oh, long, no. flowing blonde hair. Oh, like a It'd be great. Dude, I haven't had long hair like that since like I was five when, I don't know, my parents thought it was cool to have your hair down this low. I, yeah. I don't know. Okay. You could preach with a man bun. You might, no, you, might, you might up our cool factor. I'm, yeah. I love our church, but I will not do that. <laughs> <laughs> While we're at it, I think you should grow up maybe a goatee as well. I've tried. I just can't fill these parts in. So it looks, it looks too patchy. It looks too like teenage. Yeah. Yeah. The, see the thickness you have around straight down and then okay. a little bit back. I just can't do that. Oh, bummer. Yeah, I know. I know. That's all right. Yeah, I'm still, still, really still working on those finer aspects of manliness. <laughs> yeah thank god that that is not a requirement to be a man so all right um other thing i was thinking through is uh you're, you're almost done with your quarantine right like you you're a man you're mandated to be on quarantine from not just lockdown like everyone else but from your family uh how's that going yeah. Are you almost done yeah so next tuesday six days from no five days from now i will i will be not on it so um, I've tried to be limited on the touching, um, with the kids. It's really hard because they just don't understand why we can't hug dad, especially when it's like a weird time. Um, so after Tuesday, you know, tried to do some light touching, but like, 
uh, don't share drinks, don't, you know, uh, like fawn controls who touches the food and, you know, just kind of like safety things like that and try to be uh, safe, but also not like shun my kids away, if that makes sense. Yeah. So after a week, uh, I think I hit like the 95% category or something like that, that uh, after that amount of days, if you haven't shown any signs, you know, you're, you're not a hundred percent out of the woods, but like you're yeah. more than likely. Yeah. Well, that's good. Five I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure you're looking forward to hugging your, your wife and your, your kids. Yeah. I'm not sure she's going to hug me still. <laughs> you know? There's like that. If I, if she goes down, the whole family's going to fall apart. So just to be safe. Yeah. So you're saying that she's essential needs basically. Basic. Yeah. There's no, basically she is. Yeah. I'm expendable. I've kind of always known that. Yeah. You know, it's okay. It's, okay. it's, it's right. just my I'm married up. It's what happens. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thanks for sharing that, Eric. Um, so we wanted you on the podcast, John and I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, um, faith in government. And, uh, because it seems like right now in the church, um, that there, there's possibly this tension between what does it look like to have faith during this time? And what does it look like to also follow the government orders? And so, um, we have a few questions that we like to ask you and, and just, um, yeah, and see kind of your perspective and, and really more, maybe even, yeah, definitely more important than God's perspective on this. And so, right. Um, so the first question I want to jump straight in with you is how do we handle not having control? This is really hard. Uh, control comes in many different forms. Um, let me, let me start with myself. I struggle with not being able to anticipate what's going to come next because then I can prepare myself for that. And that's like my, my, my sense of control, you know, cause I can anticipate and I can plan and that's been hard. So for that one, for me, I've just really had to pray because I can't map it out. I can't think forward because I'm like, I have no clue where we're going to be in two months, one month, one week even, you know. Um, so I've really had to just open handedly say, okay, God, let's get through today. Even in my Devo for the day, that was kind of my emphasis. Like, don't worry about tomorrow or tomorrow worry about itself, right? Like focus on today. And, uh, so that's one aspect. I would say another is what you kind of see people fearing is some type of like, we're going to die if we don't have enough. So they're hoarding everything and they kind of look at their stuff and they're like, oh, like, I'm going to be okay. You know? And so they're trying to control things through the, their ability to look at tangible things like food, water, toilet paper I'm not sure how that comforts but you know hey maybe and I think that's part of it you know this is kind of I don't want to die and I got to get all these things here and so I think everyone's struggling in one form of another that they don't have control you know some people are really struggling with I can't leave my house like you can't tell me I can't leave my house and all of a sudden they feel suffocated because someone's dictating how they can spend their time. Maybe a lot of extroverts are feeling that like, oh my gosh, like they've taken my ability away to be around people and they're struggling. Some people almost have like an, an idolized view of freedom. You know what I mean? Where like, you can't tell me what to do. It's my life. And so all of a sudden you see all these people at the beach and you're like, no, death is a real thing. 
and you should value that over your spring break. You know what I mean? And so it's kind of like, I have plans. You can't tell me. And it's like, you know what? It's not someone trying to take your civil rights away. It's like, Hey, let's be healthy and cautious and try to slow this thing down. You know what I mean? And so I think there's a lot of ways people are dealing with this lack of freedom, lack of control. And what I, when I think of is a lot of things in my, in my situation, you know, it's like, Hey, you can't figure out tomorrow, no matter how much you think you need to trust God. When I think of the hoarders, I think, you know what, read Acts 2 and look at how they were giving of their goods, how they um, would literally sell things to help one another. Um, they didn't go homeless, you know, it, it's not teaching communism. I don't know why people go to that passage for that, but, but it is teaching if they had excess, they would share and they would make sure that the needs were met of the people. And that's one thing I've been really proud of of our church family as I have, as I've checked up on people and heard that people are, Hey, can I get you this? Hey, do you need that? Hey, I have an extra this. Hey, I'll drop this by. And it's been really neat to see the church really be the church. Um, but if you're at the store and you have that temptation, either put it down or commit to trying to give it away. You know what I mean? If you don't have someone you're buying for commit to, going on social media or texting a group and saying, Hey, does anyone need this? I bought some extra, you know what I mean? Just see how you can interact in that way. And yeah, it, it, it could make you panic because you're like, well, what if this goes on for four months? Like, let's worry about today and, and let's know we, we can't control this situation, you know? And the Bible is very clear that we shouldn't fear death. Jesus conquered death. And so we're not to worry the same way the world worries in that way. And then, you know, from the freedom part, I would say, you know what? Our freedom really is in Christ, right? That we're not a slave to sin, that we're at peace with him. And really look at that freedom. Like, you know where you're going. You have a savior and you're not being forced to worry about that. And that's a good thing. And so then I would say my last, I know this is a long answer. Sorry. I'm just trying to You're think good. of the multifaceted view of people. And then I know, I know John's going to step in here in a second and uh, add to this, but I, I think uh, what can you control? You can control your response. You know what I mean? And so I think that has to be something to focus on is you do have some control. You have control about if you're going to be giving if you're going to be encouraging, if you're going to use this time to disciple your family, disciple, you know, grow as yourself as a disciple, to be honest and vulnerable with the people around you that, hey, I'm scared, uh, but I'm, I'm trusting, you know, I'm hopeful. Uh, God's going to get us through this. We're going to be okay. And kind of modeling what it looks like to be a Christian in the midst of this. Um, reach out to non-Christians. These are all choices that you can control. Um, I think that's about all I have to say, John, what were you thinking? Yeah, no, those are all really, really great points. And, um, especially on, on, on the topic of freedom, I think that's, that's a really interesting point to bring up because especially in American culture, we're seeing something that, uh, at least my generation has never seen before, um, which is hey, our, 
our our, gen- our generation. That's right. We're only we're four days apart. apart. Yeah, I'm the older, but four days apart. So, <laughs> um, but in all seriousness, um, when it comes to American culture, I mean, freedom is something that we hold very, very dear. It's very near to who we are as Americans, and it can become very confusing to, um, to can you know to to equate American ideas of freedom with, like you just mentioned, the scriptural idea of freedom, the true freedom, the freedom that comes only through Christ, and we can try to marry those things together and. And suddenly, you know, just because the government tries to tell us, hey, it's we're advising you to do a certain thing, we can equate that as, well, don't tell me what to do. I'm an American. And uh, freedom does not necessarily mean independence. I think that's an important thing to to remember for sure, because we're never independent. Independence from God is death. So (laughs) um, that's not something that we that we ever, ever want. But you know, um, also what you're saying about, um, control. I mean, that is such an important piece. And this is one of those seasons that's reminding all of us, whether we're believers or or not believers in Jesus Christ, that, uh, we don't really have control over anything. Mm. Um, There's, there's very few things in this world that, that we actually have control over. But one of the very few things, like you mentioned, is our response and how, how we respond is one of the very few things that is within our control. Um, I was, I was reminded of, of, uh, first Peter chapter three, verse 15, uh, which is the verse that says, but, uh, in your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you yet do this with gentleness and respect. And, uh, whenever I hear that passage of scripture, the first thought that comes into my mind a lot of times is I don't really have a lot of people asking me to give a reason for the hope that is in me. Mm. Um, and more often than not, what that means is that I probably look too much like the rest of the world. Right. Like I'm hoping too much like the rest of the world hopes, or I'm reacting a lot like the rest of the world reacts. And the church is in a unique position right now uh, where we can freely display the hope that is ours in Christ and the freedom that we're experiencing in Christ. And to do so in a way that the world just simply can't do. And the church, this is an opportune moment for us to shine because of the hope that is ours in Christ. Um, and so, you know, this is, this is the opportunity to bring our neighbors and our lost family members in almost closer in a way um, right. to show them, you know, the hope that is ours in Christ and why we don't panic like the rest of the world panics. And um, I guess that brings up another question though, Pastor Eric, which is, um, what does that, what does real, true, genuine faith look like in, uh, in a crisis like this? Um, so, because there are a number of Christians who would say, well, you know, my life is in God's hands, so I'm just going to go out there and defy the government. And I'm just going to go out there and prove my faith in God by, you know, licking telephone poles and you know, doing crazy things. Obviously that's an extreme, but, uh, what does genuine faith look like in a crisis like this? Yeah, yeah, those are great questions. Um, I'll get to the government part um, in a little bit later. Uh, but the first thing that comes to my mind is the Bible is very clear. Do not tempt the Lord your God. Um, do not say, uh, if God doesn't want me to die, then I won't die and go do whatever you want. 
Um, you never see in scripture that we can just go jump off cliffs. And if it's God's will for us to, to live, then, you know, we can do whatever we want. And that kind of leads to this mentality that we're invincible. Um, yet when you also read in the scriptures is that we do have governments and it says kings and rulers and authorities for our safety. And so God's safety, uh, pro providential safety, does run through a, a form of government. Um, but I'll get to that in a second. Um, but how, how do we display faith? Uh, the first thing I think of is Paul in Philippians. And when he says, I can do all things uh, through Christ who strengthens me, he is not referring to uh, slaying Goliath. He's not referring to winning a race. He's not referring to, you know, the mighty ducks, um, you know, going to the Olympics and winning the gold. You know, he's not referring to those kind of things. If you look at the context, it's talking about that he has learned how to be content in all situations, whether brought high or brought low, that he knows uh, kind of the secret to be content in all situations. Therefore, he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. And so for me, what I see is that what Paul is saying is whether he's in prison, which Philippians is a prison epistle, or he's traveling about, he's content. So the meaning that God is sufficient, that he, whether he has a lot or he has a little, that it doesn't affect his love of God and the sufficiency of God. I think that's important. And so to display faith would be to say, hey, um, I was content before this happened and I am content while this happens. Mm. Um, my love for God is unchanged. That's in any and all circumstances. I can do all things through Christ who uh, strengthens me, that he is your substance. He is your, you know, sustaining presence. He's what keeps you going and he's what satisfies you. And so that would look like, you know, when you're talking to people, you know, it's rough, but I know God loves me and I know that God's with me and it's hard and, but I'm, I'm okay. You know, I'm getting through this and I know the future is going to look different, um, but that's okay. You know, today we're here, we're good. And, you know, I just, I love my God. And that's that level of contentment you see in the scriptures. And so uh, the next I would say is your, you know, your attitude is a way to display faith. You're not just constantly bashing the government. You're not constantly bashing, you know, look at all these people. They're, you know, hoarding or they're not obeying the rules or look at these people obeying the rules. Oh my gosh, they should be, you know, to not have that level of judgment, um, but to really have an attitude of looking at, you know, God is the one who knew this would always going to happen. Mm -hmm. God is the one who has the control of all things. And really just saying that attitude, what I'm going to call an attitude of trust, an attitude of, hey, I trust God. Um, and I'm, I'm going to pray. If you think people are breaking the rules, pray for those people, right? Don't go on social media and make this big fuss about how this group's wrong and this group's right. Um, pray for those people, mm -hmm. uh, especially the government officials, pray for them. If you really think they're in the wrong, pray for them. They need God's wisdom 
more than ever now. And so to not have a negative attitude of this is terrible and this is terrible and this is terrible, that really shows that you don't trust God. And that really shows he's not sufficient because you need the government to act like this in order for you to be okay. Um, and that's not what we're getting at. You cannot like what the government's doing, but still have a good attitude and still trust God. You know, you, you can take those two together, uh, not liking and trusting God. So that would be um, some ideas I have on it. Um, I, know, I know John and I were talking about uh, the other part of Philippians that talks about peace. Um, so John, why don't you kind of hit on, hit on that part? Yeah. Cause I, I, I think it's really easy to, um, I mean, what you're saying right there is the truth, but admittedly, when I, when I look at myself, when I think of the anxiety that can creep up in myself, um, the first reaction that comes out of me is generally not contentment, <laughs> yeah. you know, whenever my world is shaken. Uh, and definitely my attitude contends towards a ton of negativity and, and I can almost have this, you know, uh, functional bitterness that I live out of and call it a Christian walk. Um, but in Philippians chapter four, we're, we're given, you know, an, an often quoted passage of scripture um, about what we do with our anxious thoughts, with our divided minds. And, uh, but yet, you know, I, it, it's not somewhere that I often run to, but we are commanded in in verse six of uh, Philippians chapter four, to not be anxious about anything, but yeah. in everything by prayer um, and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. That literally we are to bring these things to God first in our hearts and in our minds. And the promise is a promise that, that doesn't apply to anyone else in the world except for God's children, except for those who are in Christ, which is that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and will guard your minds in Christ Jesus. That peace of God is available to everybody who is in Christ, to everyone who possesses the, his Holy Spirit. Um, that's a gift. That's a huge gift. And that's what I think gives us the power to uh, make known the hope that we profess, to make known the hope that we have in Christ. But yeah, I, Pastor Eric, you hit the nail on the head. If we're always going on social media and just blasting this political party or, you know, criticizing all of our uh, government leaders in their decision making instead of getting on our knees first and praying yeah. for them, um, praying that God would grant them wisdom, praying that God would bless their leadership. Um, then I think we're just, we're getting everything backwards. And this is an opportunity again, where the church can really shine. This is the moment. This is our moment to, to make known the hope that is only in Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, I would add to that uh, as I did done some research and I wish I had time to read this whole um, letter that Martin Luther um, was writing during one of the most deadly plagues uh, I would say the world has ever known. And he has a great perspective, a very encouraging perspective. And so I'm just going to read a little bit um, if you really want to know, you know, it's in Martin Luther's works, volume 43 in, in some libraries, it's volume 46 in some other libraries. But um, basically, it reads like this. It says, uh, you ought to think this way, Martin Luther is, is talking. He says, very well, by God's decree, the enemy has sent us poison and deadly a fall. Therefore, 
I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. Then I shall fumigate, help purify the air, administer medicine, and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order not to become contaminated and thus uh, perchance infect and pollute others and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. If God should wish to take me, he will surely find me and I have done what he has expected of me. And so I am not responsible for either my own death or the death of others. If my neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid place or person, but will go freely as stated above. See, this is such a God-fearing faith because it is neither brash nor foolhardy and does not tempt God. Right? That's just a paragraph of Martin Luther. Like how he writes about the plague is just spot on. And this is before they really even knew things like science and how diseases were spread and all these things. And, and he, he's just very clear. I'm not going to go spread this. I'm not going to go uh, open myself up to it so I could spread it to someone else. I'm going to stay home. I'm going to take medicine. And, and even that, if God wants to take me, he's going to take me, you know, mm-hmm. that even that, um, but I'm going to be God honoring um, and I'm not going to tempt God. Um, but if my, you know, if my neighbor is in deep need, you know, I'm, I'm going to pray and help how I can. So I think that's that great balance of what I would say. He's not brash. He's not a fool. Um, and he's not tempting God, uh, but he's being faithful. And so within that, you see the obedience to the government, taking caution, taking medicine, um, full knowing that that might not save him, right? He's just trying to be a faithful example and not tempt God, not be brash and not be a fool. And so, you know, you got to think that, wow, you know, and that's one thing I love about Christianity is there's never a time in history where you can't look back and see how did Christians handle these things? And that's one of the, the great fathers of the faith. And it was very encouraging for me to see that he's, I mean, you look at that, it's almost like he's living right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, I just loved that. That that was encouraging for me. Yeah, that's that's powerful, and it's so great to be able to look back at church history and see how the church has responded to things like this, and it's really comforting. So, thanks for sharing that perspective. So, we already kind of dipped into this a little bit, but uh, what should our response be to the government then? Okay, so yeah, that's that's why I said we'd get to later, and and th- and this is this is largely largely my opinion. Um, but I think it's grounded in scripture and I've talked to people who have a higher understanding of the law than myself because I'm not a lawyer. Um, but from what I can, what I can rationalize is that the, it's too early to jump to conclusions. Okay. It's too early to say the whole world's falling apart that the, that the government's trying to, you know, attack Christians. Um, I think it's too early to say that. And from what I can tell, they're not specifically targeting Christians. They're shutting down lots and lots of things. Um, I believe they even shut down courtrooms um, for a period of time. Um, that's a really big deal. They're not just saying, Christians, you guys can't gather. Um, they're not saying, but, you know, Mormons and Muslims and, um, you know, other religions, they can gather, but not Christians. Um, they're not 
saying that we have to worship a false God. You know what I mean? They're not making declarations for us to do something immoral. They're putting a temporary suspension for health reasons. And so that compels me to say, you know, Romans 13, Titus 1, 1 Peter 2, 13 through 17, all come into play to listen, submit, pray for, and have a good attitude towards them. Because it's my belief they are genuinely trying to help, right? And so that's where, you know, I had someone uh, email me the question. It was a really good question. How do you reconcile these verses of government with Hebrews 10 about not neglecting to meet together? And so the way I would reconcile that is that this is a temporary status and that we're not fully neglecting, right? Our church is meeting through Zoom calls, FaceTime calls, Google Hangouts. They're calling each other. They're um, dropping off stuff for each other. So we are gathering in a limited sense, and, it, and it's not the biblical call to gather. There is a biblical call to gather or assemble. Um, but I don't think we've reached that threshold yet, and I don't think we've seen enough to say they're targeting the church. You know, this is going to go on, you know, for forever. This is the permanent state of affairs. I don't think they've crossed that boundary. And so um, as it is currently, I think we need to submit, obey, pray for, and, and, and do and be good examples of being obedient and following the government. Now, I'm not saying you need to agree with the stimulus. I'm not saying you need to agree with uh, trying to get the economy back online. I'm not saying you need to agree with the approach to the, to the medical um, thinking on this. I'm saying we need to have a good attitude. We need to submit and we need to pray for. And that's what I see clearly outlined in scripture. And, you know, if they do make some hard decrees and they do start targeting Christians, then I think that that could be a game changer. But I don't think we're there yet. I think it's way too early um, to jump into that conclusion. Um, John, what do you think? Yeah, I've, I've seen, you know, really, and of course, mostly on social media. Yeah. So take that for what it's worth. But I do see, you know, kind of a lot of split takes on the government stepping in at all to tell yeah. American citizens what to do. And it's, it's really easy to get lost in that discussion yes. um, without ever questioning what's biblical versus what's American. Right. And, uh, you know, because really when we're talking about something as simple as social distancing, um, you know, really what we're, what we're all being called to right now is we're all being called to stay home if at all possible, you know, to avoid going out, you know, all of these things in order to socially distance ourselves from one another so that mm. we don't spread this disease. Um, even that conversation gets, gets framed in one of two ways. It's either the government is trying to suppress us, right. Or we should be more loving and seek, just as you read from Martin Luther, seek to not give this to my neighbor. I mean, to make that a goal that I want to stand before God, if, he, if and when he chooses to take me, I want to stand before him knowing I loved my neighbors well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I just, it always, it always disheartens me to see the church, capital C, kind of mm. get, get lost in these American political discussions and arguments when all, all the while God has called us to something higher. 
Um, yeah. He's called us to a higher form of thinking and a higher form of living. And, uh, you know, this is a prime example, again, for the Church of Jesus Christ to step up and say, this is what our God has called us to do. And so, um, you know, I've, I've had to work that out in my own mind and share that yeah. with my own kids about, you know, social distancing really can be a Christian act of love. Yeah. For those around me. Yeah, I would say, you know, as we were talking in preparation for this podcast that Daniel just kept coming to my mind, the book of Daniel, you know, because they really are faced with what I would say true governments, uh, governmental thinking of passing the line. When they start to tell you who to worship and who you can't worship, right? That, that's a big deal. And clearly in the Bible, they say, no, we will only worship God alone whether we get thrown in the fire or we get thrown in the lion's den, right? We are committed to our God. Um, and so if you want to read through the book of Daniel on that, it's a fantastic read. Uh, it's so pertinent to what's going on today. But in, in my opinion, that's when it's clearly crossing the line, mm-hmm. you know, and I think we're just not there yet to draw these conclusions. Um, so I, I agree with what John was saying. Let's, let's show love. And more than that, like, let's be leaders. Let's lead our culture in how to think about this, how to respond to this. Uh, let's show the culture, why are you so calm? Um, why aren't you, you know, throwing stones? I know you don't agree with this uh, package. I know you don't agree with this stance. Um, why, why aren't you speaking out? And you say, well, I want to support my government through prayer and trying to be obedient. Doesn't mean I agree with them. It just means I want to be, hopeful, helpful, right? And I want to be a part of the solution, not the problem, right? And I think that says volumes to a world who is just angry and bitter and fighting. And every time there's a decision, they're so hateful. And it's like, that's not helping anything. And may the world see the Christians and go, man, they, they seem to be okay, you know, they seem to be okay. And it's like, well, yeah, because we have hope in Jesus and we have a sovereign God and we have the Holy Spirit to help us. And we have the church as our family. And, you know, with all those things, you know, we're going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. If, if there is no God, we have every reason to panic. Amen. And we have every reason to get angry at our neighbors who disagree with, our, with what we believe is right. You have every reason to act that way and every reason to, you know, to criticize every little detail of our government, all of those things, if there is no God. But if we claim to believe that there is a God and that nothing is outside of his sovereign hand, that nothing escapes him, that this did not take him by surprise, um, that he does sustain everything, um, why in the world would we ever need to join in the rest of the world and panic as if God doesn't exist? Yeah. Um, you know, one of one of the things about the book of Daniel that I what I see in Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego is you, you see this consistent theme of the fact that in every single circumstance where they were being called, as you said, um, their their governments that they were carried into were calling yeah. them to do truly terrible things. Yes. Um, they recognized God's sovereignty in every one of those situations and in every one of those circumstances. Yes. And I think that that is absolutely what we are to mimic as well, which is the fact that regardless of how this goes down, nothing escapes God. Um, Nothing happens without his sovereign 
uh, choice. <laughs> you yep. know, this is, this is no reason to panic at all because God is still on the throne and he hasn't changed. Amen. Joel, you have anything to add, man? Yeah. Uh, I just want to circle back to kind of what you're talking about. Both you, you and John were talking about, um, you know, there's an opportunity to love our neighbor. And um, I was just thinking through um, the control aspect of it too. And how, you know, right now, like what God is, if God is doing anything that I at least can see in my own life is a stripping away that illusion of control. And if you think about it, our, our lives are um, a part, and it's not all bad either, but a lot of our, our lives are focused on gaining control. You know, why do you go to school? You go to school so you can get a job and why do you get a job so you can get money so that you can afford and, and take care of things and so that you can have retirement. And so it's, it's control of our future. And, you know, why do you dress a certain way or talk a certain way? You want to control the way people view you. And so there's all this that we're, we're trying to control. And so I think one of the things that I'm noticing, and I'm speaking mainly for myself, that God yeah. in so many ways is stripping away that illusion that I have control over all things in my life. And yeah. think about this, and this is what you guys have both been touching on, that, that um, you know, those without God have no hope. And yes. they, they have no one who is ultimately in control. And the, the beauty of having Christ and being um, his children is that we, we always have someone in control. It, it's not us, which is a hard reality to, to, to learn. But I think in my own life, and I, and I pray for our church family and for all Christians, that they're, they're realizing that God is pruning us. God is working on us. God is showing us that they're, they're truly, we truly aren't in control, but he is. Right. Yes. We need to lean on him. But going back to the Christian love aspect of it is that because we have that, and like what you said, Eric, about being leaders, we need to be leaders in this time. And this is the, the perfect opportunity. Like I, I honestly believe God is doing something great through this, that, that mm -hmm. this is an opportunity for Christians to really, to rise up and to show who Christ is. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. I'm, I know it sounds weird to say, but I'm really excited for that, this opportunity to, to show Christ and who he is to, to those around us. And so I, I pray that as a church family, that we do that well and that we'd show who, who we truly can have hope in. And so, yeah. yeah. On that note, I say my last concluding point, uh, for all of this and, and really uh, i would say it's been a challenge for myself too is just to be really really prayerful yeah. you know pray for the government uh pray for the elderly pray for the sick pray for your family you know pray for the non-christians um that what if they do die like what you know that's a serious thing to be in fear of and right now as a christian we have an opportunity to say yeah you should be afraid um but if you knew jesus right? You wouldn't have to be. And that's a natural conversation. There's not very many times where you can just say, Hey, if this were to, if you were to die, what would happen to you? Like, that's a weird question. Given the circumstances, Hey, if you were going to get this, what would happen? You know, that's a fairly non, you know, pointed question. Cause it could happen. Right. And it'd be fascinating to know that. Uh, so pray for those opportunities. Pray for your family, pray for your attitude, pray for God's wisdom, pray for discernment. You know, uh, I just find myself being in a time of prayer more than ever, which sadly, I also feel God saying it should always be like <laughs> this. And I'm like, yes, yes, I'm sorry. Um, but with everything kind of slowing down, it really has kind of enabled me to, oh, wait, I should pray. 
you know, oh, wait, I should pray and get in that habit. And uh, that's actually been a really big blessing uh, to spend that time with God. Um, and so that would be really my recommendation through this is just keep praying, keep praying. And through that, uh, let God guide your heart. Yeah, that's great. Great. Well, thank you, Eric. Thank you, John, for coming on. Really appreciate you guys imparting wisdom um, to us. And so thanks yeah, for coming thank on. You. Well, thank you yeah. for watching. Um, please subscribe and, and like um, our YouTube page and stay tuned for more. We, we hope to get these podcasts out every Thursday for you um, while we're, we're doing this. And um, yeah, we love you, church, and we're praying for you. And, and yeah, we'll see you next week.